Welcome back for the second hour of The Big Broadcast with Mark Magistrelli and Mike Martini. We continue now on The Big Broadcast with Orson Welles returning as The Shadow. This is from October 24th of 1937, The Temple Bells of Nibon. The Shadow Knows on The Big Broadcast. What evil lurks in the hearts of men. <laughs> the shadow knows. Food Cold presents The Shadow, the man of mystery who strikes terror in the very hearts of sharpsters, lawbreakers, and criminals. Today, the Temple Bells of Nebon. Friends, if you want to be sure that the fuel you get to heat your home this winter is safe, healthy, and economical fuel, then by all means, buy Blue Coal, the finest of Pennsylvania hard coal. Remember, this superior quality anthracite has been colored a harmless blue at the mines so that you can recognize it at a glance. So take the guesswork out of your fuel buying. Get America's finest anthracite. Ask for Blue Coal by name. Order a supply tomorrow. The bells of Nita. They will reveal you. Your third mistake, Sadi. And your last. <laughs> no, it is your mistake and your last. This is the end of your career as the shadow. Just a large evening, a couple of hours at the Club Caliph. Does that intrigue you? Lovely, but not too late. I have an appointment at 10 in the morning at the Women's Club. They're trying to get some action on this terrible narcotic situation. Yes, I read about that. Stuff being peddled all over town. They found school children using it, society women. Why, it's already caused a half dozen suicides. Yes, I know. It's terrible stuff. Oh, it needs the shadow to get at the bottom of it. Yes, I know, dear, but for tonight, I, I do enjoy just being myself. Lamont Cranston, Dilettante. Let's be the shadow only in real emergencies. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they tell me there's a lovely Indian dancer at this new club, Caliph. Indian dancer? Mm-hmm. You know, there's the place just there. Club Caliph, driver. Yes, sir. Lamont, you are going to do something about it. You've started already. Perhaps. Well, here we are. All right, driver. There you are. Thank you, sir. Oh, that looked like young Jerry Gleason just going in. Yes? How's that young man's father? I'd spank him and keep him home occasionally. Well, son of a wealthy sire. Mm. Here, let me have your coat. I'll check it with mine. Good evening, Jerry. Oh, oh hello, Miss Lane. The father and sister well? I haven't seen them lately. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm sorry, but I can't wait right now. I've got to see someone, and it's important. I'm sorry. Uh, but, Jerry... Hello. What ails young Gleason? I don't know. He seems awfully upset about something. He doesn't look well, either. Pale and shaky. You're right, he doesn't. Something curious about that boy. Well, let's go in. <laughs> May I show you to a table, sir? Uh, take this table by the dance floor, thank you. Oh, there's someone getting up to speak. We seem to just in time for the main attraction. Fair enough, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we take pleasure in presenting the fascinating and beautiful dancer of the Far East, Sadi Bel Ada. For our first number tonight, she will give you the dance of the cobra, Sadi Bel Ada. Look, isn't she lovely? Yes. Real thing, too. Real Hindu. Hmm. It's odd, you know. Goodness. Look, she's taking a snake out of that wicker basket. 
A live cobra. Oh, heavens. You know, the cobra is connected with the old Indian mysticism, the most ancient of magics. See how she quiets the snake, makes it sway to the motion of a hand. Mm. It's a form of mesmerism. We've never improved on that with all our modern psychology. I hope its fangs have been removed. Well, they undoubtedly have. Now, this is the one they call Sadi Belada. Jerry Gleason with that strange look in his eyes. An epidemic of narcotic smuggling. Sadi Belada. Oh, how graceful she is. <laughs> she keeps looking over here, Lamont. Yes. It's coming this way. Well... Souvenir for the beautiful lady, sir. Oh, oh, a bracelet. Thank you. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Felidy. Ah, you know the tongue of Mother India, sir. Only enough to make a small prayer. Only enough for that, Sadi Belada. It is good sometimes to know a small prayer. Hmm. Just in case of an emergency. Yes. You are very wise, son. In case you should meet someone who could destroy you, son. I see. Just what did she mean by that? I don't know exactly. Funny sort of thing. She seems to know something about me. I'm trying to recall where I've seen that face. <laughs> by the door. Why, it's young Jerry Gleason. She handed him uh, something. Good Lord. He's going out with her. What's the matter? It just struck me, Margot. That boy's face. The color of his skin. You mean drugs? Yes. The poppy of India. Oh, but not Jerry Gleason. Oh, that'd be too awful. And our old friend Claire Gleason, his aunt, who's tried so hard to steer him straight since his mother died, it would just about kill her. Come, Margot. We must do something. We're more. going to. I did come here tonight with a vague idea that this Indian dancer might have some connection with the thing. With her veiled threats and Jerry's interest in her, I'm pretty sure but now. What are you going to do? I think the shadow will pay a call on Sadi Bellada in her dressing room. I think the shadow can strike back. Anyone over here is here in your dressing room? Oh, no. What do you want, Alexis? A message from the captain. What then? Tomorrow is the day. The police are getting closer. We sail tomorrow night at eight. I am not afraid of the police. But there is somebody else I am not sure about. You took care of Jerry Gleason? I gave him his medicine and sent him home. But you bring him tomorrow night? Do not fear, Alexis. Jerry will be with me when we sail. <laughs> I have a way to let him know. Good. But the air blows from that window. Close it, Alexis. Uh, too bad we have to terminate. The grand success of Sadi Bellada and... The club caliph? Yes. But as the Americans say, business is business, yes. And we still have a small business with the rich papa, Jerry Gleason. <laughs> no doubt the richest part of our business, sweet Sadie. <laughs> the rich man will pay well. Who laughs? Where are you? Speak. I am here. In the shadow. But I'm afraid you can't see me. Speak. And say who you are. Have you never heard of the shadow? Oh, the shadow? So it is you. Have I not somewhere in the past seen your face and known your name? 
I think so. Uh, did you enjoy yourself tonight? I warn you, Sabi Bellata. Leave the Gleason boy alone. The boy to whom you give the evil drug. I have no fear of you, Shadow Side. I hold a greater power. I hold the power of the temple bells of Niban. Uh, you command the temple bells of Niban, do you? Yes. Either you lie or you desecrate a great gift. Put your strength against mine, White Ifandi, and you will see how I desecrate that gift. I can cast your little spells aside and make them nothing. I can kill you. Kill me, the Shadow Sabi? Yes. If you dare to come to me again, will you come? Who could refuse such an invitation? Especially when made by so charming a lady as yourself. Yes, I will come. And be sure you don't mistake my voice. When I do come, Sadi Bellada. <laughs> well, what is it, Sergeant? Uh, excuse me, Commissioner. Old man Gleason is outside and insists he's got to see you. Gleason? You mean Andrew Gleason? Sure, the big Wall Street banker, friend of the mayor. Shall I let him come in? Or... All this name deficiency word doesn't do any good. I want to see you, Commissioner. All right, Mr. Gleason. What the devil is this town coming to? Well, if you'll tell me what you're getting at. My I... boy is what I'm getting at. He's lying home there with the worst case of delirium tremens I ever saw. Spent the night sopping up liquor in these rotten honky-tonks. Mr. Gleason, if you think the police department's going around playing wet nurse to all the spoiled kids in this town, is this what you came to see me about, Mr. Gleason? It certainly is. Well, I happen to have more important things on my mind right now. Then you better get this on your mind. Because if you don't, I'll see to it that there's somebody here who does. And I can do it. Good day to you. Well, seems like this was a busy day, sir. What with uh, drunken college boys and millionaires. This is another of those, uh, Commissioner Weston speaking. <laughs> Why, you, you... Don't lose your patience, Commissioner. The shadow has information that may help you. Young Jerry Gleason is becoming a drug addict. What? Yes. A victim of this flood of drugs being peddled on our streets. It might cost you your job. Are you interested, Commissioner? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, while we're waiting for the shadow to return, I want to relay a bit of information I'm sure homeowners here in the New England states will find particularly interesting. When buying your winter supply of fuel, bear this in mind. Anthracite coal is unequaled for home use. It is not a flashy fuel that burns furiously for a little while, then dies down completely. On the contrary, folks, anthracite burns slowly, steadily, evenly, all day long, and so enables you to maintain an even, healthful room temperature. That's why anthracite is called the solid fuel for solid comfort. And friends, remember this. Furnaces, cook stoves, and space heaters in this section of the country were especially designed to burn anthracite. So, insist on anthracite. But get the best. Order Blue Coal. It's America's finest. Blue Coal is mined by the Glen Alden Company, the world's largest producers of Pennsylvania anthracite. To guarantee you the greatest heating satisfaction at the lowest cost, Blue Coal is laboratory tested for purity and uniformity of size. So you see, friends, there's no need to take chances on unknown fuels. Order Blue Coal today. You will find the name of your nearest Blue Coal dealer listed in the Where to Buy It section of your classified telephone directory under the name Blue Coal.
Yes. As though they came out of nowhere. The temple bells of Nibun. Listen. Three soft notes will strike, and then the spell will be broken. shadow this time will get beyond his death. We shall see, Margot. We shall see who is stronger. Sadi and the bells of Nabon or the shadow. prisoner in my own house, putting me to bed as if I were some half-grown kid. What? What's that? Jerry, you hear me? Is it you, Sadi? Yes, my voice in your thoughts. Listen, Jerry, come to me at the dock. Where we met before. Your medicine is waiting. Yes. Yes. Go aboard the ship I told you about. The Elbora Castle. You and I. 
Look out! He's going to strike! Alexis! Stop it! 
Crossroads or Lexus. Kill it! The shadow warned you, Sadi Pelada. You pay credit for this too, do you? No. Sadi should have known it was not her cobra in the wicker basket. It was mine. He's dead. Please, Captain Mullen, you do not shoot. Stand back here, pop that gun. I'll fix him. Put the bracelets on both of them, Sergeant. Right. Dope smugglers, kidnappers, and from the looks, murderers. This time, the police were too smart for you. Oh, decidedly. Huh? Who's that? Thanks for coming, Commissioner. You, uh... Very helpful. <laughs> and now, before today's adventure with the shadow comes to a close, John Barclay, Blue Coal's own heating expert, is here tonight to give us another of his practical talks on automatic heating. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Barclay. Good evening, friends. Last week, we discussed the importance of uniformly heated homes in avoiding cold. I told you how home temperatures could be kept uniform and automatically controlled with a blue coal heat regulator. I explained that the cost was only $18.95 plus a small installation charge. Now for a word about the convenience of this blue coal heat regulator. With one of these automatic regulators in your home, it is no longer necessary for you to adjust dampers by hand. The regulator eliminates need for frequent attention to the furnace. What do you have to do, Mr. Barclay? You simply tend to your furnace once in the morning and once at night. Just think of that, friends. You can enjoy the comfort and convenience of an evenly heated home, and yet you can come and go all day long without a thought or worry about the fire. Is it any wonder I'm so enthusiastic about the blue coal heat regulator? And two, although it costs only $18.95... It does about everything that the elaborate and much more expensive equipment does that many of your friends have. So, folks, why not get to your blue coal dealer tomorrow and ask him more about this blue coal heat regulator? At the same time, if you have any heating problems, discuss them with your blue coal dealer, too. He is the best-informed heating expert in your community. With the assistance of his John Barclay trained serviceman, he will be able to save you money and help make your home more comfortable this winter than ever before. I thank you. The story you have just heard is copyrighted by The Shadow Magazine. The characters in this story are entirely fictitious. Any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Orson Welles, with one of the first characters that he really became identified with, The Shadow, from 1937, The Temple Bells of Nibon, on tonight's big broadcast. Coming up next, Inner Sanctum Mysteries. Tonight, director Hyman Brown brings in a guest star, Mason Adams, for Death of a Doll. October 18, 1948, Inner Sanctum, on the big broadcast. Good evening, friends. This is your host to welcome you through the creaking door into the inner sanctum. Slither in, won't you? Hmm? Sorry the place is such a mess. I'll sweep it up later. Those are just chips off the old block. Been doing my bone work. <laughs> oh, didn't I tell you? Sure, I'm going back to skull this time. All cozy now. Ready to string along with us for a while. Good. 
After all, this is a newspaper story. If you feel a little cold as we go on, it's only because we have a story to tell you. <laughs> Tonight's inner sanctum mystery, Death of a Doll, was written by Fred Matho and stars Mason Adams in the role of Will with Ted Osborne as Bo Cousins. This is the story of Willie Harper and the devil. And how Willie, on his first assignment for the morning blade, finds himself at two in the morning, sweating nervously in the murky shadows of a riverfront street. Willie has a gun in his pocket and a doll that belongs to a dead girl tucked under his arm. A block away, leaning against the one streetlight, impassive, grotesque, ape-like, is the devil waiting for Willie. I keep saying this is 1948. And I keep saying this is Manhattan. And I keep saying whether you believe in the devil or not, you don't meet him till you're dead. But believe me, that's the devil over there under that lamp. At three o'clock, he's coming for me. Sure, you've got a right to think I'm crazy. Standing around, waiting to be killed with a doll under my arm. This all started ten days ago, around five in the afternoon, at the city morgue. But Grundy, the night editor, sent me there on my first assignment. The morgue, he says, is a good place to start for stories. Looks like you might be in luck, son. How's that? Come along with me. What's your name? Will Harper. <laughs> All right, Willie. Come down to the coolers with me. Yes, I'm very wrong. I've got a story in there for you. The girl in locker number seven. She's been here four days. Tomorrow we close the case on her. What does that mean, Mr. Jackson? Means... In spite of everything the police have been able to do, we can't find out her name, where she lived, or anyone who knew her. How was she found? Tugboat crew fished her at the river. Tomorrow, she goes to the city burial grounds in a plain box marked Jane Doe. That's horrible. Just dying and nobody... Do you think she was murdered? There's not a mark on her. Please say she wasn't. But I want you to look at her face. And tell me... What you think. <laughs> this is Jane Doe of number seven, son. Jane? This is Willie Harper. I want you to see her face, Willie. Tell me what you see in it. A strange emotion shook me. She didn't seem dead to me. Her skin was perfect ivory. Her hair was fine, spun copper. Her lips twisted slightly. I, I blushed and turned away, catching myself imagining what those lips must have looked like with life's color in them. Jackson led me back to his office without speaking. As I lit a shaky cigarette, he fished a brown paper bag out of his desk. He handed it to me, tilting it forward as he did so. What the devil? Yeah. And when they pulled her out, she was clutching this doll close to her. Even the doll hasn't helped trace her. The police are through with it. Mr. Jackson, you'll think I'm nuts. I suddenly feel sore, boiling mad. I don't know why, but I think she was murdered. The, the look on her face... Kind of ask you help? Yes. Dead girl, nobody wants. And the doll. Here's your story, Willie. Too bad you didn't know her. 
You fool. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. Take the dollar down with it. it back to the paper on fire to do a story about the dead girl and her doll. As I gave McGrundy my report, he stared at me. When I got through, he had a sort of twisted grin on his face, sort of know-it-all. He grunted and tilted the paper-wrapped doll forward. Think she was murdered, huh? Yes. The cops don't think so? No. They're closing a case tomorrow? Yeah. No clues, facts, or anything outside of this doll? None. All right, Hopper. I'll give you another day to find the nasty character who did this horrible thing. Cops have been wrong before. Go ahead. Thanks. I'll get a story. <laughs> Take your dolly along. And keep falling with the dead ones, Hopper. You're better off. <laughs> Now I know why I resented that crack of McGrundy's. He must have guessed before I did that I had fallen in love with the girl in the morgue. Half hour later, disgusted with my own morbidity, I went to my room before going out to eat, slammed the door, and tossed the doll onto a chair. I couldn't shake the feeling that the nameless girl in the morgue had something to say to me. If only the doll could talk, could tell me about her. What was she like? Was her voice soft? Was it kind? Who who was cruel to her? Where did she live? Who killed her doll? Who? I grinned sheepishly at myself in the mirror. And with that gesture, this story really begins. The next few moments remain electrifyingly vivid. I had set the doll down on the bureau. I didn't touch it. Wasn't even looking at it when a new sound came from it. I stared at the crumpled, ridiculous little form, almost afraid to touch it again, but I did. I had to. I picked it up and tilted it limply. Karanan. That was what I had heard. A sound... A sound only? No. Somehow I thought it was more than a sound. A name? Maybe a name. Half because I didn't want to stay alone with the doll any longer, and half on a hunch. I stuffed the doll in his bag and went back to the paper. I went straight to the reference room, filed the doll under my arm. What, what are you looking for? I want to know if you've got anything in the files on someone named Karanan. I spelled with a K or a C. Huh? It's funny you seem amused. Don't tell me he's around again. If you've got a lead on Karen, you've got some story. Oh, will you get me the clips on him? I'll get you Myers' anthropology of his shit. He's in there. Anthropology? Why? Who is he? The devil. Karanana. Of course, an almost forgotten myth from Asia. Lucifer on Earth, wearing out one body after another, walking the Earth always. I remember it now from college. Headed on the long walk and headed down Fifth Avenue, my head whirling with a maddening conflict. I think I would have given up the whole thing then, but always at the point of going home to bed or of chucking the blasted doll in a can. The face of the girl in the morgue blanked out other thoughts. When I reached Washington Square, it was dusk. The sidewalk artists were packing up their canvases as I passed them, all but one, I didn't. He was a tall, angular man with a completely bald head whose four or five paintings had the advantage of a streetlight. The man paid no attention to me until at the sight of one painting I stiffened another shock. What's the matter, friend? The stuff that bad? That one. The one of the girl. It's... Woman with a doll, I call it. Like it? Who's the girl? Do you know her? Tell me. Sorry. I'm selling oil paintings, friend. I'm not dating bureau. No, 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 no. You've got me wrong. I've got a good reason for asking. Look, I'll prove it. Here. Here. Isn't this the doll you painted with a girl? Where'd you get that? I haven't seen Hazel in a week. She left for the coast. I gave her that doll to pose with. What's wrong? Hazel is dead. Mm-hmm. Dead? Where is she? 
if I tell you, will you promise to say nothing for a while? I'm a reporter for the Blade. My name is Will Harper. I won't say anything unless I believe you had something to do with it. Where is she? I'll take you to her. She's at the city morgue. An hour later, we had come out of the morgue. Oh, cousins that simply nodded at my questioning look. Seeing the girl again, knowing her name now, added to the emotions I already felt for. I had a sudden impulse. We handed the artist Hazel doll. Are you giving me the doll? No, no, I want it back. But I want you to tilt it. Make it cross. <laughs> what did that sound like to you? What did you hear? The doll said, Karanana. You heard it too. Again, say that name again. What did you hear the doll say? I distinctly heard it say, Karanana. Then I'm not crazy. And do you know who Karanana is, Mr. Cutting? I'm afraid I do. The most fantastic coincidence I ever encountered. Why? Do you know who Karanana is? The devil. Lucifer, Satan. White. I think we'd better go to my place and talk this out. Certainly if what I think is true is true. No one will believe us. What do you think? That Hazel was murdered by Karanana. I followed Bo Cutton silently along the dark streets of the lower city. His long legs led us finally to a dingy, narrow, fish-fouled street where we climbed an outside stair to the loft of a warehouse. You're in love with her, aren't you? An amazing circumstance to be in love with someone you met too late. I could have loved her, Yes. I met her at a bar mission house. Conceived the idea of painting her with a doll. Somehow that seemed right to me. Go on. Well, we worked here for three weeks on the painting. I paid her enough so that she could go to California. Dream of hers. One night as we walked the streets nearby, Karanana appeared. Karanana? Yes, Karanana. Or a man who calls himself Karanana. The devil or the human form of the devil. However you choose to think. There can't be such a thing. The, the devil, it's just a myth. Is it? I met him in Istanbul eight years ago in a cafe. Did a painting of him. What's he like? Squat, massive man, ape-like. As I painted him, he admitted to me such crimes that I could hardly hold my brush. Like what? He made his living professional murderer. Very discreetly, very cleverly, very effectively. Why didn't you turn him in? <laughs> really, now. I like to paint and to live. He was so pleased with the picture I made and gave him that he told me any time I needed to rid myself of some embarrassing person, he'd be around. Lucky you, but who'd believe that story? We do, Willie. And that's the important thing. Do you have any spare cash? Why? I have about $150. If you could make up the difference, I think we should claim Hazel's body... And give the child a decent burial. I fixed it up with Jackson at the morgue. And at three that afternoon, Bo Cousins and I, plus two grave diggers in Simeon Cemetery, were watching a bright new casket being lowered into a new grave. Man that is born of a woman hath but a short time to live and is full of misery. He cometh up and is cut down like a flower. He fleeth as it were a shadow and never continueth in one stay. In the midst of life, we are in death. Thanks, Paul. I like it too, Willie. Very much. You're a nice guy, Willie. Wouldn't you rather go now? No, no, let's, let's wait till she's covered over. I want to talk to you. I've just gotten an idea. Oh, I know how to make things come out even for Hazel. I know how to get Karanana. And I will be very glad to see that you're buried next to Hazel here. I see things a lot clearer now that Hazel has a name and a past for me. If there is a man named Karanana, as you say, I think he's human. And that's an even chance. Maybe Karanana isn't the one. And I'll find out. Do you want to help? In any way, short of being discreetly disposed of? Yes, well. Karanana said he'd do a little job with you whenever you wanted him to, right? Yes. Then you get in touch with him and... Sorry, Willie. My merchant of death is unreachable. He shows up when he wants to. All right, I'll wait. But when he does, you've got a murder for him to do. I have? 
Who? Me. That was a week ago. An exciting week for me, covering all sorts of stuff for the paper. I'd begun to think Paul Cousins was an imaginative phony. Even my editor, McGrundy, had stopped kidding me about Hazel's doll perched on my desk. Then this morning at 9.30, I got a call. Morning, Blade. Willie Harper. Greetings and farewell, Willie. This is Bo Cousins. Bo. What, what's up? The devil is in town, Willie. He wants to see you. Coronado? Yes. I saw him last night. He was delighted to help me get rid of you. I see. I told him you were a reporter who was planning a story about art which tore my work to pieces. What's the matter, Willie? Change your mind? No, no, no. Did he say where? He never lets his clients in on the details. But he did say I'd be rid of you by three o'clock tomorrow morning. Uh, thanks, Bo. I'll be seeing you. Quite seriously, Willie. I hope so. Be careful. Remember, bullets don't work on some things. Bye. So long. By three this morning, you said. I didn't know where, exactly when, or even if I could get the drop on the devil and force the truth about Hazel out of him. I stuffed the doll into a bag and started out, but McGrundy caught me. Papa! Yeah? Woman shot through the back of the head. Blank solitaire. 147 Parkway North. Husband with her. One out on him and phoned it in. Right. When I hit the lobby downstairs, an unaccountable chill got me in the small of the back. Something made me stop short and turn around. It was my first look at Caranana. He was leaning against a phone booth, a heavy set, ill-shaped man whose arms sloped weirdly from his neck into a heavy stomach. He was eyeing me impassively. The game was on, I knew. I grabbed a cab to get my story just the same. I phoned the stuff in from the cigar store across the street. When I stepped out of the booth, I ran on. I just bought some cigarettes. He turned to me as I froze, waiting. Some murder across the street, huh? Yeah. How'd you know? I get around. Murder a hobby of yours? No. It's strictly a business. So long. That's the kind of thing that went on all day. McGrundy kept me on the hop, and no matter where I went, Caranana was there ahead of me. This afternoon, I got to my room long enough to pick up my Luger pistol and the license I've got to carry it. He was waiting for me when I came out. Better put it in your inside coat pocket. It shows on your hip. Be seeing you. It's a quarter to three now. Fifteen minutes. And he hasn't moved from under that lamppost in two hours. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting another minute. I'm going to meet the devil and have it done with. He doesn't move. Will a bullet do it? Can I trick him into admitting Hazel's murder? Or will he kill me first? Well, here I am. Yeah. I see. What can I do for you? It's almost three o'clock. <laughs> you know, you're right. Time sure flies. Well, time for me to get on home, I guess. So long, Willie. It's a trick. A fiend's trick. He's deliberately leaving me with only a few minutes to go. I've got to stop this. I can't go through it. I'll go to Bo's place. I'll tell him to call it off. I don't want to die. I don't Billy. want it. Billy, oh, Bo! I was running for your place. That's right. You might be down this way. You look scared to death. And you should be, I guess. I've got to hide, Bo. Let's beat it somewhere. It's almost three. All right. Quick. Cross the street, Willie. There's a broken down pier there. Come on. Dark here, Willie. But we're safe for a while. You certainly have worked yourself up. That's the doll you've got there. Yeah. I don't know why I carried it. Glad you did. Got a gun with you? Yeah, my Luger. Let me have it. You're too wrought up. Here. Good. Now be still a moment. Three o'clock. Yes. Yeah. Three o'clock, Willie. Time for us to part. What do you mean? You are not a very astute person, are you, Willie? Why? Maybe Hazel's doll can tell you. 
Oh, oh boy, this is crazy. You're... The same water that received Hazel is at your back, Willie. The time is three, and tomorrow you will be fished out with the doll under your arm. You're Coronana. White. Farewell, Willie. Hazel, poor sweet child, learned the same truth by accident. Dirty, filthy Farewell, Willie. And you shall take your darling darling with you. I said from the kid, cousin Scott. No, no, I will not. Grundy, thanks, lots better. My professional pride hurts more. Well, it needn't. You followed through like an old timer on that story, didn't he, Shea? Yes, he'll do. How could I have taken you for the devil, Inspector Shea? <laughs> I've been called worse. How did you know where I was going to be and all that? How come you were on hand at the end? Well, I cover the morgue, Willie. When a young guy suddenly decides to claim a nameless corpse, it's time to follow up on it. Well, you seemed okay. But Cousins turned out to be wanted as a professional killer. So you tagged me to get to him? Sure. He was after you, no doubt about that. Oh, uh, there's your doll, Willie. Yeah. Well, I tilt the doll and nothing happened. No sound. Must be broke. I guess she doesn't have to speak anymore, Mr. McGurney. I think the doll is dead. Hey. Want to buy a doll? Hmm? I'll sell it to you, but there'll be the devil to pay. Take a tip from Willie Harper. There's no romance at the morgue. You'll find nothing there except cold, hard figures. <laughs> Sorry, I've got to skip along now, but I've got a date with Hazel's doll. She promised to help me in a grave situation. I've just got to dig up something for next week's show. I think if we work at it long enough, we'll turn something out. Don't you? Mm. <laughs> Good night. Pleasant dreams. <laughs> this is the United States Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education. Inner Sanctum Mysteries, Death of a Doll from 1948 on tonight's big broadcast. For our third and final hour, The Lives of Harry Lime. And a little Bing and Bob for you tonight in the next hour of The Big Broadcast. Stay tuned. Inasmuch as it is now 15 minutes and 15 seconds until 3 o'clock, the mutual lines will be kept open with a musical fill. Benny Goodman and his orchestra. This program, devoted to popular dance numbers, is coming to you direct from the Manhattan Room in the Hotel Pennsylvania, 33rd Street and 7th Avenue, New York City, where Benny Goodman and his orchestra are now appearing. Tonight's vocalist will be Martha Tilton. Our program opens tonight with a swing arrangement of Minnie the Moocher's Wedding Day.
entertaining you, and here's a nice title for a nice dancing tune, Moonlight on the Highway. not be alarmed. You and your radio have entered a time warp, and it's known as the Big Broadcast. <laughs> 